Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that brings together three well-known friends to debate three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. This week's episode features three men whose friendship formed over shared passion and determination to open up the conversation around mental health, especially where men are concerned, in an age where the biggest killer of men under 45 is sadly themselves. So let me introduce you to the three musketeers who sit beside me today. First up, former professional rugby player turned star of Made in Chelsea, Josh J.P. Patterson, is a young dad, a fitness fanatic and a mental health advocate. As an outsider, I'd been through the trenches at the worst point in my life like these guys where I face suicide. I'm comfortable in myself. I'm not by any means the finished article. I've got the rest of my life to try and figure that out. Joining him is my friend Matt Johnson, a brilliant TV presenter who's been sharing his experiences and battles with depression for many years as an ambassador for Mind the Charity. I just thought that that's it. I can't see an, an, another way out of this apart from taking my own life. And, and thank God I didn't do it. I came very, very close. I stood in the balcony, I had my foot up and all the things, and, and it just didn't work out for me, thank goodness. Then when I realised I wasn't going to do it, do that in that point, I suppose that's my turning point. That's my the moment when I went, oh, fuck, I've got to go and do life now. And completing the lineup is a man Matt met on a flight to Ibiza, both of them heading out to the same wedding, Ben Bidwell. They got talking about things that really matter, their feelings, their insecurities, their vulnerabilities, and they haven't stopped talking ever since. For me, I think it was actually the disconnect. I didn't want to feel anything. I didn't see it as manly to feel. And um, my body rebelled. 
and, and um, in not feeling, uh, it showed up sexually. Now, Matt and Ben host a brilliant podcast called The Naked Professors. I'll let them explain the name and the determination behind it to help further the conversation around mental health with men. He's about to smash a world record. Thank you, JP, for coming into the show. Oh, thank you. That's What's your world record? You're uh, going from John O'Groats to... John, John O'Groats to Land's End, and I'm doing it in a wheelchair, but the world record has been set at 20 days, so I need to do 19. So it's roughly 34 marathons in 19 days. And this is because a really dear friend of yours is in a wheelchair? He is indeed, yeah. He he had a terrible motorbike accident um, almost a couple years ago now, and he is now in a wheelchair. Um, it's really been inspired by him, to be honest with you, but I actually think like the, the chair itself has become more, actually. For me, it's a symbol of hope, and we're raising money now for the Royal Marines and for Heads Together. So for me, it's all about the power of the mind. So it, it connects so well. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Well done. And I hope the wine really helps with the training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so you two met on a flight to Zoe's wedding. Matt, yes. You'd just flown in from New Zealand, so you are a bit... <laughs> really jet-lagged and hungover, yeah. yes. But, but Ben, you were sat next to Matt. Normally, yeah. I can tell you, as you know now, I'm sure, doesn't shut up. <laughs> but I did find that out, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, wanted, he wanted to sleep badly, but really he was just talking all the way himself. I was just listening, really. And, yeah. and at the time, you were running a tech startup, but you had become really involved in opening your mind to mental health and self-improvement and had started a blog as The Naked Professor. Have I got all of that right? Yeah, you've done very well. Yeah, it's exactly it. Um, uh, I was struggling a little bit with the company that I was working on and I felt I needed something about me that I could control because so much of the company that I was working for was out of my control. Mm. And uh, my passion was very much around mental health and, and, and expressing kind of my true persona and removing the masks and all, all this kind of stuff, embracing vulnerability, and um, which is just becoming very topical, particularly as, as men. Yeah. Um, and then that struck a chord with Matt and this beautiful conversation. Kind yeah. Of I'm not one for small talk ever. So when, especially when I'm a bit shirty or ratty coming back from a 36-hour flight from New Zealand. You've been out doing the being, rugby, haven't you? I've been out for the Lions tour, yeah. So it was three and a half weeks of just boozing rugby tour. Long, long flight, and then the prospect of going to Ibiza for five days for a oh, wedding. Your liver's just, going, get off yeah, me! I was just in a world, a world of pain. So I was just wanted to get onto that flight and have a two-hour sleep, maybe have a Bloody Mary to help me get through the afternoon. <laughs> um, and I just, I just really didn't want to chat to anybody. That that was just that was un, it's uncharacteristic for me. Then um, weirdly, um, on this row there was only two seats uh, instead of the normal three on the British Airways flight. Other flights are available, but that was what we were on. Um, and it was just the two of us, me and Ben, and Ben and I, and we sat there, started talking. Coincidentally, we were going to the same wedding. I had never met. I knew his brother beforehand. And then we just got straight into a nice, warm, open, honest conversation about mental health. And then I think Ben just started his new blog and um, facilitated the blog with wonderful pictures of him around the UK, around London, uh, naked, to draw attention and also to kind of um, um, represent uh, the removing of masks and, 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 and all the little stuff that goes so, with so it. You're the, the, and if you go onto uh, Ben's socials, if you go and yeah. look on Instagram, you'll see his bottom in many many, many locations. But it's indicative of just stripping back the conversation, right? That's why you've got your bum mm. out. Yeah, it's meant to be raw. It's meant to be, yeah, all masks removed. This is um, vulnerability. It's it's kind of 
most powerful, if you like. You know, I'm 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 there in in, in my broad form. Because you're you're outside like the Houses of Parliament on the on yeah. the bridge across to the Tate Modern. These are pretty busy throughfares, right? <laughs> and and there's just you naked. What time do you have to get up to 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 get away with going starkers through Parliament Square? It's so early. So I, I didn't. <laughs> I, the sun rises at half four in the summer in England. So we've met at half four. Um, and, you know, there's times when I'm like, what the hell am I doing? What's my life come to? I'm getting up at <laughs> half four to walk over Millennium Bridge with the sunrise um, naked. And, uh, um, yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's very peculiar at times. But, you know, it, actually London is this amazing still place um, for a couple of hours in, this, in, in that period. And, uh, yeah, you can get these incredible pictures of it still and silent. Um, well, go and have a look. You're on the uh, on Instagram as the Naked Professor, yeah, yeah. and then there's the Naked Professors podcast, which uh, features all the news around. Well, your I think, what I think Ben was doing, and this is what we, this is how we connected on that flight, was incredibly brave. And 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 I come from an industry where you have to have visuals and a co- and content and mm. a passion for something, and that's old school for me. And what I saw was a, a, a man putting himself out there, really trying to get people to talk about this wonderful uh, and, and unique. A situation that he has with his life and then talk about mental health which is really important to him and it just blew me away it wasn't like a pitch or anything like Ben just showed me a part of him and and I and I just then immediately wasn't hangover I wasn't jet lagged we had this incredible two-hour conversation about mental health that we just we continued for months after and it's it was it was a uh, lightning in the bottle um, serendipitous perfect moment and it started our wonderful journey of working together Oh, and being friends. And then, Josh, you appeared on the podcast. And did you know these guys beforehand, before you'd agreed to be a guest? So I met Matt at the Pride... Uh, Pride of Sport. Pride of Sport Awards. I was sat next to him. And Did you play rugby? Who did you play for? So I, play, I played in London, uh, and then I moved over to Ballymena, uh, where my family's from, and I played there for a couple of years, um, representing Willie John McBride. You know who he is? I know Willie John McBride. One of the greatest lines of all time. Of all time, yeah. <laughs> They won in South Africa, didn't they? But yeah, that's what they were, that's why he was famous. That was the famous tour with the the ninety nine call when they all started fighting. Spoken like a Welshman. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. And um, do you know what? I just yeah. One of the main reasons I'd actually seen images of Ben um, and was just really intrigued on his the take. naked images. The naked images, yeah, on a really dodgy site, and <laughs> I just was really intrigued. Just flipping through the channels, weren't yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> really asking questions why he was on my site. <laughs> so, do you know what it does the job, doesn't it, Josh? Because you see it. And you go, what's he doing? Why is he doing that? It's like clickbait, right? You have to be strategic with what you do, but I think he was doing it for the right reasons and it caught my attention. And I think having met Matt at the Pride of Sports Awards, like, and I'm not just saying this, I had the most amazing night with him because I don't know if you're the same. I go to these events and quite a lot of the time you're sat next to someone and they don't have a great deal of substance or they're not particularly friendly and sometimes quite shallow and you actually walk away pretty disappointed by the evening because the company could have been better fortunately on this occasion he just did not make me stop laughing i just i was just pissing myself the whole (laughs) night he's just very funny and it's not at the expense of other people so i was like do you know what this is going to be a great podcast because he makes me laugh i'm really inspired and interested in what he does and i think together this for me on a personal level could be great and and we did it and it was it was amazing, and I think as a partnership, they just work so well together. You know, like Matt has such an infectious personality, 
And Ben has become almost like a mentor to me. I go to him a lot about personal things that are going on in my life. And I adore the both of them. And I think they are what this industry and what this world needs, because there aren't a lot of men who have the balls to do what they're doing and do it in a way that's not controversial. They're not villainizing anyone. They're not trying to, you know, create a fight amongst politicians or people or within the industry. They're just voicing opinions. And I think they're doing it in an incredibly credible and classy way. Well, more than just opinions, you're voicing feelings. And, yeah. and, and it's a very un... Or, it's not a very unmale conversation. That would be hugely generalizing. Um, but it's deemed to be not terribly mm. uh, manly I, to well, sit down and pour your heart right out. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I wanted to... So, so the Naked Professors podcast is about bringing people on, men and women, mm. to talk about their own uh, battles, issues, ongoing... Um, experiences. Experiences yeah. with mental health. And you all have your own experiences that got you to a point where you wanted to do more than just look inside, but actually open up and, and yeah. share your your experiences. And and I wondered if you could share with me your own experiences and, and what particularly your that the moments were where you turned a corner. Um, well, 10 years ago this year, I was um, in a situation with uh, a, a bad situation with my mental health. I, I didn't have the tools to deal with the, the amount of pressure I would put on myself. And indeed, I was very toxic towards myself. So I was, uh, looking back in hindsight, um, clinically depressed and going through a really difficult time for a few years. And, and this, it got, this is back in 2009. 2009, yeah. Yeah, so and you've just broken up with a girlfriend. Uh, no, I was still, about now, still in a relationship, right. but on the tail end of a relationship. Um, my mental health is definitely affecting that, and my life, my professional life. Um, and I was getting into a situation with my own mental health that wasn't healthy because um, I didn't understand it. It's not like uh, there was a podcast to turn to or anybody championing championing um, mental health. And also, let's be honest. Ten years ago, the attitude in our business, Matt, was. If you spoke about um, having depression, this is something Denise Welsh has, has shared mm. before. If you talked about having depression, you, you'd think you, you'd get a call going, "Well, that's not a smart career move because we can't yeah. get insurance for, for, to put you on a show, and you're a bit of a you're a hiring risk." Yeah. And there, you know, so actually, totally. it just put the lid back on the pot, didn't it? Yeah, one hundred percent. So I, I was afraid. You, were you afraid to speak out? I didn't because I didn't understand my own mind at that time. I was afraid to even. Uh, talk about it because I didn't know what it was. So when you keep something that's that intense inside of you, and what I experienced when I suppressed those emotions and those feelings, and I was telling myself to snap out of it, I was telling myself to man up, but I was telling myself just to get over it. Or then I was saying, when you do this, this will get better. When you get a professional full-time job as a reporter, journalist, everything's going to be great. And when I did, it wasn't, and it still wasn't great. These voids I was trying to fill, I just couldn't do it because it, internally I was suffering for some reason. I didn't know why. It was a combination of lots of different things, sleep deprivation, bad attitude towards alcohol, bad attitude towards exercise at the time. And I was really punishing myself. And it got to the point where I didn't see any other way out apart from suicide. And that was my reality. I, I was in so much of a confusion and pain, no sleep. I was, uh, my, my insomnia got to the point where I was getting two and a half hours, three hours sleep a night, maximum. 
and that was spread over the evening too so there wasn't like a chunk of sleep and what that does to your brain is is, is torture and you can ask any new parent what that feels like yeah, <laughs> and they'll yeah. tell you oh, yeah oh gosh yeah. my, my friends <laughs> you, you, yeah, we've all you know we've got friends who have kids and all the stuff and I see it and I see it in their eyes and I know what that feels like and I think when you have a child with sleep deprivation at least you've got something to show for yeah. it like, I love this thing more than anything in my life I'm sitting there going I, I've, I've got nothing to show and, and I'm you were lying awake pain. with anxiety with, with I, I'm just a concoction of anxiety depression always worrying about the future always dwelling on the past not sure about was never present at all in mm. any situation which is really detrimental to your mental health and um, and I was just really really stuck I it was it was like an out of body experience it was like seats uh, what do they call it um Oh, just I was just not in in a really good place at all, uh, and it got to the point when I went to, to go on holiday to Spain, it just the week before Christmas to either eat really good food, train a lot, and become a better person. In my head, I needed to be better because I was just a bad person, and I was doing this to myself. and And it was it was like a make or break holiday for my my mind, and I failed miserably. I I I just really got hammered the first night, second night, third night. And to the point where I just was obliterated, drinking two bottles of whiskey a day, oh, and and it man. got to the point where I, I I just thought that that's it. I can't see an, an, another way out of this, apart from taking my own life. And and thank God I didn't do it. I came very very close. There was you came f- very close. Yeah, you? you were stood on a balcony. I was stood on a balcony. I had my foot up and all the things and. Um, I thought of other ways then because I couldn't do that. Maybe it was just heights and I tried other ways and, and it just didn't work out for me, thank goodness. And this was on the 23rd of December. And um, then when I realized I wasn't going to do it, do that in that point, I suppose that's my turning point. That's my the moment when I went, oh, fuck, I've got to go and do life now. But at least I'm not going to go down that end. I've tried it. I've come nearly this close. I can't imagine what it must be like for a human being to be that's 100% positive because I was 98% positive. I was going to take my own life. And and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing now. After years, 10 years it's taken me for, to get into a comfortable position to be able to talk about it. Really? And then to help people. Did you tell anyone at the time that that's no, what you tried to do? didn't tell anybody for a while. I told my dad a few years later on that same balcony when we were on holiday. Um, and I didn't know that because I was, was drunk. what was his reaction, Matt? I can't remember. I was drunk. <laughs> um, but we were on holiday. And, and it's one of those things that I just, you say, oh, I've had a bad time and I, I've come here. And I think my dad can can say as well that he's had difficult times and he's been in that place um, and thought, oh, God, this is bad, you know. And, and we all have these moments. And I've been very fortunate to be able to kind of externalize those moments in my life um, publicly. I did it almost by accident in 2013 where I got asked why I was raising money for a mental health charity on a round table of interviews and then I I said I was honest I was like oh I had a tough time in 2009 with with my mental health and nearly um, took my own life and I'm here now to raise money and awareness for that and they were like what say that again and then I had to get a publicist to kind of do that properly work with mine that's how I became an ambassador for mine to try and draw properly so that if, 2009 was a huge turning point for me where I got perspective and it was, it's hard 
because changing your life around, changing your purpose and reassessing everything you've ever learned about yourself is really difficult. Well, it's a complete reset. Isn't uh, yeah, in uh, every single capacity. And it's taken a long time. I talked about it in 2013 for the first time, and that was hard. I could smell all the smells again. I broke down in an interview because I hadn't dealt with it. And it's taken from 2013 to 2000, until I met Ben, really, when I came back from that New Zealand trip. I really, that year, summer was really important for me and the year since, so 2017, it's take, it was four years for me to get into a position to actually deal with it. And then now I'm super confident to talk about it and, and I'm aware as well how important it is for people yeah. to talk about it because it changes, because of our podcast, our guests that come on are so wonderfully honest and open about it. They are changing lives by talking about it. So if you're in a comfortable and safe space to actually talk about it, there's there's so much power in those words and it can save people's lives. And hopefully that's what we're trying to do. I mean, Ben, when I started reading up on your backstory, um, having seen your backside, I mean, <laughs> and, and honestly, I, as, as, as much as people might think what you were doing is a cheap gimmick, I have to say, you flashing your bum made me look at your backstory. Simple. And Thank then you. I was like, why? Okay. This is interesting. And you really shared all of the detail around it. Um, you can tell your story far better than mine. But you went to seek help in the first instance because... Well, my, my story is really different, actually, to, to, to Matt's and, and, and JP's because I think these guys have, were very in touch with their emotions and they really felt and, and that caused them pain. Whereas for me, I think it was actually the disconnect. I didn't want to feel anything. And um, it's just the way I grew up. I didn't see it as manly to feel. And, and, I, and I think in my heart, I'm kind and compassionate. And I, and I stripped that because it wasn't manly. And um, my body rebelled. And, and um, in not feeling, uh, it showed up sexually. I, would, I wasn't going through what I call sexual satisfaction. I always struggled to orgasm. So you can kind of tie the two in if you're not Is feeling. Is that a fear of intimacy, a fear of letting go? I was a feeling. It could be all those things. And to be honest, it's still an ongoing process. But yeah, it could well be those things. It could be, I think there's a, there was a lack of self-love so that there was always people pleasing. And, and um, I don't know, maybe there was a fear around, I don't know, letting go um, and, and really expressing yourself. But that must um, have caused you huge, I mean, frust frustration, a uh, sense of shame in the, those key moments where you're intimate with somebody. Uh, totally, yeah. I mean, um, definitely frustration. I didn't actually feel a huge amount of shame. I was quite open with it, you know, because actually I could talk about it as a man. It wasn't unmanly. You know, it was actually, it was, you know, some of my friends called it a gift at uni. It was a bit, it was kind of, you know, you could go on. It was almost kind of a, quite a good status symbol in that respect. Yeah. But in terms of what it did for me, it was not a lot of satisfaction and not great intimacy in, in, a, in a sexual well, relationship. Well, if you're in, a, in that, that kind of moment, one-on-one -on -one with a partner, you want both people to achieve the ultimate happiness, right, yeah, of an yeah. orgasm. Yeah. So then, as as you know, if 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 that were you and I in that situation, I'd be saying, "Well, is it me? Completely. You know, do you not? Is it, you're not you're not feeling it? Yeah. That, that I mean, those those conversations must have happened a lot. Totally. And that was at the age of thirty. That was the point I got to where I had had a lot of those conversations, and people were raising, kind of, you know, it, it was preying on their insecurities, yeah. and sometimes, and it's a horrible, it's a horrible perspective, and not something I wanted to be part of, and it it killed some relationships that I'd been in and it had stopped some relationships from blossoming. And at the age of 30, I was kind of like, well, there's enough blocks around meeting someone I really like anyway. It's been hard enough. I don't need that chucked in on top. So I think I became open-minded to, to, to making the change. 
And, you know, I use the term now, but the universe delivered. You know, as soon as I opened my mind to actually letting go of this, a life coach walked into my life and started coaching my flatmate around the rugby injury he had, he had to help him get back on the field. And I was kind of like, well, hang on a minute. If she's helping him with his injury to get him playing rugby again, have I got an injury? You know, is it is it kind of the same? And uh, sort of slowly but surely, we'd have a kind of cup of tea while he was kind of doing whatever, if he was in the loo or if he had arrived or whatever. And um, eventually I built up the courage to sort of say, you know, you're helping Ollie with this. Could you help me with, with mine? A bit of a kind of a, a weird one, but any ideas? And she was like, absolutely. You know? oh, can, I, can I ask, what did she suggest? Well, this was the interesting part is that I was just waiting for us to, I was like, God, I didn't realize you were kind of a sex guru as well. I was helping, you know, she was a hypnotherapist and a coach. And I was like, I didn't know sex was part of your artillery. But um, I was waiting for us to get to the sex bit. When's that all going to change? And, and we never touched on that. All we did was was just talk about how my mind was working and all the limiting beliefs and all the blockages and um, the way I was basically living this unemotional, shut off, disconnected way. And although nothing was changing intimately, immediately, I was seeing that I was becoming a better person and I was my relationships were getting better in other areas and I was able to share with my mum that I loved her. Things like this were starting to happen and I was like, well, I'm looking forward to the bit where the sex changes, but in the meantime, this is pretty great. I'm, I'm really liking it. progress. Yeah. yeah, it's progress. I didn't so know. Had was... you had quite an emotionally stunted childhood? Um... Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. I was you're only telling your mum you love her in your 30s, I'm guessing. Yeah, and I loved her with all my heart. She was a mate. My mum is, is an amazing woman. I just couldn't tell her. You know, so I, it wasn't that she didn't tell you she loved you? No, no, she she did, yeah. My dad was quite emotional. You know, he, he's old school and, and he's not the most emotional. Um, he's a lawyer and bl- very black and white. And then I had two older brothers and we were all kind of, yeah, boys will be boys. And, and it was we weren't an emotional family. Um, so that was kind of, I also saw that growing up and that was my adopted path. Um, but I think inside I was really kind and sensitive and that was there and I was having to bury that because it wasn't manly. Um, so then for me to be able to, to, to work with someone who wanted to tap into my emotions, I think they were screaming to get out and it was like, oh, you know, actually this is really nice. I, I'm really enjoying, you know, telling my mum I love her in many ways. It's a lovely release of, of emotion that have been buried for so long. And um, yeah, that was the start of my journey. So very over the next seven years, I just kept working on that and became a, a better, better person and learned more and more about how my mind was working and why it was working. And although the, 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 the whole sex aspect is still ongoing, it's kind of that's the, that's the final. Has it improved? Do you, do you better um, understand yourself? I better understand myself. and I've dramatically improved and I think I feel like I've opened the doors for the, for the sex aspect to change. But I, I've still got to walk through the through the doors, you know. So my mind is open to change. But I think this is without getting sort of too technical, quite a subconscious. It's buried quite deeply. So I think I need to change things sort of from a physiolog- physiological perspective and in, in adjusting how my body actually reacts because it's had 17 years of being used to performing a certain way. I need to kind of shock that. All I can tell you is, I, I first of all, I, th- I think you deserve to be applauded for being so open about something that so many people will relate to. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with my girlfriends over problems within their sex lives with their partners who share similar issues, most of them steeped in intimacy. 
So they're there, but I've never heard a man articulate it in the way that you have, and I think it's really important. So, oh, thank you. There's been so many lovely things said in this podcast already. It's honestly, no, seriously, it's, Ben. My heart's I mean, full. I mean I've, there's thank a huge you. issue with this, and it comes from stigma attached to everything and shame. A massive rise in the use of Viagra is exponential in the world. Mm. In America, it's gone through the roof because men suffer and have problems with uh, without getting an erection and, and premature ejaculation, and, and in Ben's case, not being able to finish the the job as such so and this all happens in secret yeah this is it's billions of dollars and pounds spent worldwide on these tablets and men are doing it on the shush not even telling their own mates about yeah. it because it's a massive stigma there's a huge element of failure attached to it and shame attached to it and this is a massive part of what we're trying to do because it's dangerous when you get tablets off the black market it's it is. dangerous when you're not open and you're not telling your GP what tablets you're taking because these have health ramifications too and if we could only be just honest and talk about it and have an open conversation with our partners and girlfriends and mates a lot family of people members, have, yeah. family members, mm. anybody that could, you know, this is a lot of pressure to for a guy to hold on to himself and keep secret and bury it down. And we're seeing the the ramifications of that. Well, if you're doing that with your with your with your Viagra tablets, you're doing it with your emotions, you're doing it with everything else, and therefore the stigma attached to that is making men take their own lives. It's a serious matter, and it, it comes from these conversations. I actually had a buddy call me this morning. Um, and it must be my social group, but they're taking these things called weekend pills, right? What's that? Which basically means that it's type of like a Viagra, and any time you get aroused, you just immediately get hard on. And my friend was calling me, where it's the complete opposite, where he was gloating because he managed to have sex with this girl last night six times. So she's... Uh-huh gone away being like this guy's an absolute stallion Stallion. Mm -hmm. he's really happy with himself because he went six times how long before we didn't go into greater detail (laughs) (laughs) but he's really proud of himself and I'm thinking do not buddy I'm happy for you because obviously you know you've come away pretty happy but the issue with it is I was like are you thinking are you thinking long term here because What you're not realizing is is that you're going to become so dependent on this simple pill that one day you're not going to have it What's going to happen? You're probably not going to be able to have sex. If you thought about that and you went, oh, actually, no, I didn't kind of think about that. I was thinking you need to be very, very careful because mm-hmm. this is the problem we have as a society mm-hmm. is that we become so dependent on these things, right? Mm-hmm. When we don't have them, we press that red button and we panic. Yeah. yeah. And so, the anxiety that comes with that is, is horrendous. Well, it's a house of cards, isn't it? Yeah. It, all, it can all come and in And without so proper GP help, the, he will not have that advice. He's had that advice from you today. What's annoying, though, is so many men who are listening to this podcast are literally on Google right now <laughs> typing in weekend pills. Weekend. Can <laughs> I just, yeah, likely. whoever the owner is, can I get some equity in it, please? Because your percent's probably just <laughs> gone up. Like, yeah. for it. <laughs> our, our podcast is looking for sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> so your weekend pills, just so that we are... Um, making sure that we're not talking about something we have very little knowledge of um, just a quick Google search will tell you to tell your friends JP um, in rare cases um, the weekend bill can undermine the blood flow uh, to the optic nerve of the eye causing sudden loss of vision uh, this is more likely in patients with hypertension diabetes or high cholesterol heart problems uh, it can have uh, it can create heart rhythm problems angina or any kind of heart disease High or low blood pressure, congestive heart failure or stroke. Um, deformity of the penis. That's a good one, isn't it? He'll be pleased with that. Wow. Yep. I cannot wait to share this with him. I mean, he'll be able to keep it up, but it'll be in the figure of eight. 
You idiot. Like a pretzel. Um, it, it, of like course, a pretzel. And, and all, all side effects. <laughs> There's so many side effects of all medication. This is why it has to go through proper GP and has to be allocated through a professional. Right. The major yeah. thing there, and if you want to Google this again so you factually get it right, if, if lots of guys are taking these because they've taken drugs and they can't get erections because they've taken cocaine or something. Yeah. So lots of guys are popping a Viagra late at night to try and sleep with a girl. If you do it when you're taking drugs or drinking alcohol, please check this. It could be immediate death, sudden death, and that's dangerous. So, so guys that are going out and getting, um, you know, going out and, and taking coke, then can't achieve an erection, but mm-hmm. still want to still sleep, want to party, sleep, to, to party have, and have, have sex fun. with their partner, are then taking a Viagra on top of the cocaine. They take well, they're taking a Viagra when it's not been prescribed by their GP or professionally advised. But a GP's so they, not going to sit there and go, and this will work brilliantly with well, coke. Yeah, well, this is the thing, but like you know, irrespective to whether it's the right drug for them in general mm-hmm. is one thing. But when you take it with alcohol and drug and if you take recreational drugs, it could mean sudden death. Wow. This is huge, you know, and and the amount of pills that have been dropped every weekend, nobody really, really knows because it's all done. Do you not think that a large part of the mental health that we're seeing now with people reaching these kind of crisis points could in so many ways be a a hangover from party days gone by? It's lifestyle. I don't I, I literally don't know. People call me boring, but I'm content in life. And I think what I respect again about these guys, and I think yourself, the fact we have this podcast, it's not about judgment. Mm. I'm not telling people how to live a life. But what I am saying is, as an outsider, I've been through the trenches at the worst point in my life like these guys where I face suicide. I'm comfortable in myself. I'm not by any means the finished article. I've got the rest of my life to try and figure that out. But what I am saying is I'm looking at so many men and women right now. And thankfully, because I've spoken out about my personal experience, they privately will come and have a conversation with me but I look at what they do and how they live their lives day to day and again this isn't a judgment but I think it's a ticking time bomb because I think we consume so much we drink more we go out more we consume more drugs the quality of drugs not that I take them myself but I mean I can't imagine when the Rolling Stones were taking them they're as tainted as what they probably are now and I don't think we're taking this into consideration I think rather than actually just taking a step back reflecting and trying to understand it we just revert back to the quick pill Oh, I'm tired. Yeah. I'll take a, a pill. pill to make me sleep. Oh, hang on. I need to wake up. I'll pop a pill. Mm-hmm. I can't have sex. I'll pop a pill. When there are so many herbal, natural remedies out there, exercise, so many obtainable things out there, mm. people to talk to, and we're just not taking them. So I think these conversations, it's so crucial because you can never have enough. Yeah, you know what? Mm. You're right. Like, whenever I hear the word, mm. I'm proud, or I, you know, pride, it angers me so much because that's the killer is, is yeah. when people are too proud. He was too proud to say anything about it. Mm. And I always say to men, I'm, not, I'm never blunt with guys, but sometimes when the message isn't being heard clearly, it's like, would you rather be proud or alive? It's as yeah. simple as that. Mm. Because too many men that we hear of that are killing themselves mm. is because they were too proud to speak to somebody. And actually, when you have podcasts like this and you can have a conversation mm. the way we are, it's not frightening. There's no judgment. It's quite humorous, you know, actually turning mental illness into a humorous thing. That's how you tackle it. It doesn't have to be doom and gloom. You know, we're in dark rooms. Well, you know what? In tragedy comes the greatest of comedy. Oh, that's (laughs) it. Totally. That's it. Just 
talk to me about your experiences because unlike Matt, yours and Ben, yours came very early in life. And I think this is something that, you know, I'm the mother of a 10-year-old. My son talks about his feelings a lot. He comes home from school and talks about his friends' feelings because they've discussed it at school. Next wow. year, well-being goes on to the national curriculum. We are living in progressive times. Hurrah. Mm. Um, but actually, you must have felt quite alone, I would have thought in that you probably didn't have that conversation at school no. when you were going through your difficulties. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think this is why this is such a, a great network or, or individuals that we have here because from completely different walks of life and, and for dif- different reasons that we've been affected. And I think each tackling maybe even different demographics or age groups, but actually when it all comes together, that's a big network of people that we're trying to tackle. For me, it was a very young age where... You know, I have the most amazing mother and father, but I was in a very toxic family. You know, my my, my father has his demons. He was from a very poor background in Northern Ireland. And I think, like many men, didn't express himself. And when he did, it was because of alcohol. Mm -hmm. My mother was from a very privileged background. And I think, you know, the, the collide of wealth and poor together, not her, but her family, was just a really toxic concoction. And I think, you know, one of the gifts that my dad's given me is awareness. I'm very, very aware of what goes on around me, who I'm with and what I'm doing, which is a blessing and a curse because sometimes you can become too analytical or understanding of situations. And I think from a young age, as early as eight, I was subjected to a lot. And I think I took a lot of responsibility with my little sister to protect her from everything and anything. Are you talking about within the family within home? Within the family home, and exactly. What, Arg- just uh, just, just your, your, your run-of-the-mill you know, arguments, you know, parents that were just not happy with one another. And I think rather than just doing what we're doing now, which is just sitting down and just going, I'm unhappy, they just resented one another. And this is a divorce that in some respects is still going on today. You know, that, That's so sad. And I can, I, yeah, you, you were literally living in a toxic soup. Constantly. And I think my, my biggest thing for me is rejection. I've, I've got a, see, a feeling, sorry, where I've been rejected my entire life. You know, it could By be... By your parents? No, no, not my parents. I think rejected in the sense that when my parents broke up, I think anyone who's gone through what I have in a broken home is the rejection then is the knock-on effect that it has. All the family friends that used to be in your life that are ultimately almost like a second mother and father no longer want to spend time with you because of what's happened. Friends that you used to have, you can no longer see because they're connected with it. You know, godmothers and fathers who were so instrumental in your life no longer speak to you. And I think it was just one thing after another. And then for me, my biggest... So you, you lost your entire... I lost my life at a young age. Yeah, I, I went from having... And it was nothing How to do... Uh, they divorced finally at 13, but they first told us that they were going to divorce, I think, at like 10 or 11, but they didn't. Oh, so such formative years as well, Josh. It was it was pretty full on. And, and the, you know, f- the biggest struggle I had was I was at school and I was a bad kid. And I wasn't a bad kid because I was born to be bad. I was a bad kid because my life was falling apart. I didn't know what was going on. And I just would be suspended or I'd get told off or I'd, you know, I'd be at one point, I think they suspended me and they locked, not locked me in a room, but I was in a room for a week just looking at the playground like this. Were you at boarding school? No, no, just this was an, a regular day school. Um, and I think rather than tackling the problem, which was well, what's going on, what's deeper rooted here, it is very much, I don't think it is so much now in schools, but it was black and white. This this kid's bad. Let's stick him in a room on his own and isolate I think now him we're not, for the rest. The first thing they do is say, how things at home? That's your first question. Which is great. I don't think they did that then. They did. They definitely didn't. And for me, it just kind of spiralled out of control. And, and, and for me, my biggest 
scapegoat it my my blanket was my sport and i gave everything to sport and then it got to the point i think because with my my attitude where i wasn't being picked for the first team or something as silly as i wasn't being picked for the long jump even though i'd won them gold every single year but because i was having a bad year i wouldn't be selected and for me that was just the biggest rejection of all so there was no value in my life and it progressively got worse and worse. And then eventually my dad gave me an opportunity to go to boarding school in Scotland. And it was a form of escapism, but the issues were still very much there. And I finally had uh, the courage to go and speak to the local sort of uh, doctor at the San. And he basically said, you listen, you have a really, really aggressive you know, form of, of anxiety by the sounds of things, because I literally ticked everything off the list. I mean, he literally went, okay, so what do you think you're living with here? I think it was like 13 things on the paper, and I went, well, all of them. And he went, you know, son, you've got anxiety. And that was it. There was no, like, what we need to do now is we need to get mm. you to talk to someone. It was, you have anxiety. And I remember walking away. So you got away. a diagnosis, but no help whatsoever. I didn't even know what anxiety was. <laughs> I, remember, I actually yeah, remember telling a friend, I was really upset. I remember I was sat on this bench, her name was Olivia, and she went, are you okay? And I went, no. And she went, why? I said, because I've got anxiety. And she goes, well, what's that? And I went, I haven't got a clue. And that was it. And then it was only kind of like years later where rugby had ended. I didn't achieve the career that I wanted. My mentality was completely wrong. Coaches that I gave everything to didn't support me in the way that I'd hoped for. And I remember I was back in Norfolk and I was doing property with my dad and essentially my life was mapped out for me to do property. But there was no family business, family business. There was no community. There was no social life, no opportunity to meet a a girl. My passion in life is fitness. And that had pretty much died. And, And it just got to the point where. I just went, I'm done now. I've had enough. I, I've got nothing more I can give to this world. You know, there's nothing in my life that I find fulfillment in. And at this point, I was getting very aggressive, never with people, just I, I remember smashing my car up and I smashed my room up. Slight contradiction, but there were times on nights out where if there was somebody in trouble, I would go to protect them, knowing full well that I would probably get in a physical fight. But again, it was a form of release. And like I said, it just got to the point where I was sat in my room, I'd smashed it up and I have a, a few small scars and that was it. And I don't know what it was like for you, Matt, but you in tried, that... You tried to take your life. Yeah, that was that was my choice. Um, I didn't really think about it a great deal. I just knew in that moment, I just couldn't take this anymore. I didn't want to subject anyone to it. And that was the best bet. But I don't know what it was, but there was something in that moment where I paused and it was the pause that actually made me think. And I was going, well, hang on a second. If you really want to do this, you would have just done it. So why did you pause? So something internally told me that there's something. There is a yeah. purpose in life. I might not know it right now, but I'm going to discover it soon. And do you know what? This is why I'm so passionate about this. And I will talk about it every minute of every day. Some people might understand it. Some may do. But my obsession now is people. And it's, well, it's, you know what, this is, this is really interesting because you talk about that, that, that pause device and you, and you say, my interest is people. What anxiety is, the anxiety disorder, is it, it, it prevents people taking that final 2% step that you talked about, Matt, 98% sure you wanted to, but 2% sure you wouldn't, because you don't want to cause trouble to those that you leave behind. It's your fear of upsetting other people and not yourself that can... Be that, yeah, that that pause button. It's a, it's a, it's a really interesting 
moment in somebody's life. And I'm sure there's millions. Well, it's and so telling and it's so brief, right? So it's powerful because it's fleeting and phenomenal. It's, it's the most important beat of my life. And it's the same pause. For me, I feel in retrospect because I was absolutely hammered. But for that beat, I was sober. And for the adrenaline to run through my body of control, so I was like, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge. I felt like I was out of control for such a long time. That feeling of euphoria, slight feeling of euphoria, for that moment in that beat of silence and in, in purpose and in moment, I was present, I was in control. That reminded me that that's possible still. But so much of mental health is about striving to find moments that you feel you're in control of. Tell me this, guys. Um, when you hit a crossroads, so um, it could be the re- you know, a breakup of a relationship, a loss of a job, or, you know, JP, we sit in the same single parent boat, that there is no tougher decision than saying, I am not going to be in that family unit raising my child. That that I've never I've, I've never come across something as heartbreaking as that in my experience. How do you um protect yourselves at those key key crossroads? Because every time we we live with heartbreak or depression, disappointment, time is the and it's the most irritating thing to hear in the world, but time and time again how often after a week or two weeks do we go I'm feeling a bit stronger in myself I mean you've just said there I've gone from a person who almost lost his life to suicide I've gone from a person in a family to now being a single parent and there were there were the worst moments in my life when it happened but here I am now a month or a few years later and I'm going but I'm still here and I'm still succeeding and I'm still ambitious and still somehow happy. And I think that's what we've got to remind people is that sometimes they're so scared of hitting that barrier. And it is, it's a horrific thing, but the amazing thing is is that you are gonna cross it, believing yourself. Might take a week, two weeks, a year, three years, four years. But hey, if you look after yourself, we can be here for 70 to 90 years. You've got so much time to reflect and heal and, and build on that. And what feels insurmountable yeah. in the moment is often very easily surmounted. Yeah, it's very, you just it's very, have to give yourself time to find a way through. We ask everybody on our podcast um, if they could go back in time and have a little conversation with your younger self when you were in that moment, in that darkness, what would you say to your younger self? And pretty much everybody says it's going to be okay. That moment effectively will pass and, and it has done for many, many people. But the, the knowledge that bad things happen, people break your heart, Parents pass away. These awful things happen to us in our lives. And if we have, try and have perspective and are aware of what we need to do in those moments and prepare for them psych- psychologically or, you know, in any sort of way, you know, it goes into Ben's world there where we, we have the tools to deal with it. We don't have a magic pill that's going to temporarily solve it. We have these, these, these um, go-to tools that can help us through bad situations. We're not saying it's going to completely fix it because bad things happen. Your jobs, you're going to change your job four or five times in our new generation. You're not going to be able to afford that house anymore because your nan's house was two grand. Now it's like 250,000. Times are not as easy. Social media is giving you lots of pressures. Life is not easy. But if we have the tools and if we listen to people that have been through it and if you listen to people when you genuinely say, you do go through it because we are really, really 
in our soul stronger than you think and you can pass through it with these knowledge and with these discussions it's going to be okay and i think that's an important thing you know we're going to have things in our lives in the future that we're going to have to navigate through mm -hmm. but it's okay things happen and and if we, we if we're aware of what we need to do to get around them to navigate them to go through them that's important that's what we're all about is prevention and acceptance i said to you yesterday like a couple of days ago i went out in my wheelchair in norfolk the sun was shining my dad has has recently recovered from cancer and he got on his bike, refused to wear tracksuit pants because he didn't want to look stupid, so he wore chinos <laughs> only in Norfolk. <laughs> oh, that guy course. stuck his high-vis jacket on. And I, and I said to, to Ben earlier, in that moment in the country was the happiest moment in my life in a long time, and nothing in the world could pay for something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's these simple moments that we really have to relish mm -hmm. and take advantage of because they go by quickly. Mm. Being present, and Ben talks wonderfully about finding your tribe. It's one of the most important things in my entire life, finding the right people around me and accepting that our old mates are still going to be mates, but they're not on this, a similar level and we all go in different directions. Well, we all travel different paths, don't we? But I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm just blessed and I think I am, but I have the most phenomenal network of girlfriends and we talk yeah. and we care. I mean, you're friends with the All Saints, of um, course. Yes, <laughs> they are amongst my wing you're women. Good it's, people. It's my army. And I think I said this in the very first podcast we did in this series. My greatest wish for my son is that he has the ability to nurture the friendships I have with my girlfriend. Yeah. And I hope that by the time he gets to the age I am, that's that's just a given. And you could have hit something on the head there. The, the influences of that over the last 20 years... You know, you're talking about Spice Girls, you're talking about Sex in the City, you know, all these all these influences of girl gangs, you know, mm. in these urban communities, you need your urban family. Mm. And I think girls have done that incredibly well. Or yeah. every girl I've ever gone out with has a pack. Totally. And you've got to get through them first, you've got to get yeah. their trust first. Squad. And that's wonderful, squad. Yeah. It's really important. I think men, men have, have kind of lost that in some sort of way because our packs were at our work, at our, our business or wherever it was. Or and it was at the bar talking about sports, but you need to just kind of, you know, you need to strip it down is she fit annoyingly because if yeah. you are you're, you're winning and as well and Ben talks about this wonderfully as well men having girlfriends and having female friends in a part of that pack it's not such a girl and men thing as well it'd be a wonderful situation if we could all have packs of people I think I think you're like a good set of close really really close friends who you can do this kind of stuff this takes vulnerability as well because I think so often in life, it's very easy to, to go down a path that makes you look good and makes you look popular and makes you conform with, with what's normal in, in, in life. Yeah, but you know what? If you, you don't meet your tribe that way. You don't. And your you tribe, same. don't give a shit, frankly, if no. you fall or, 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 or you succeed. They just love you anyway. Exactly. So actually, that gives you the guts and the muscles and the bravery to go out there and say these things that are vulnerable um, revealing because actually it doesn't matter if nobody else likes you you don't care because you've already got your people but you and they've what? got you they, I totally agree but the, but I think that's only the case if your friends really know your know your heart mm -hmm. and they know you beyond the superficial stuff that, that some people have friends based because they go to the right places and they've yeah. got the right things and then suddenly if you strip those things away then there's nothing there what's the friendship well, the, the great saying is is that my friends know everything about me and they still like me exactly that's, that's there the you go they're the friends I can't, exactly. I can't that's get rid of my mates because they know too much now <laughs> <laughs> can I refresh you gentlemen and before I do Already. can I thank you that was um, 
Oh, that was really lovely to sit and talk um, and, and hear so much about your own experiences. Oh, thanks for having us. When we do this... It's it, not I, finished. We've got another two questions yet, man. Right, Don't okay. go get your coat. Are we, are we, third, <laughs> are we we're one third of the way through? Yeah. That's brilliant. I, I love these conversations. Honestly, like, I think this is the thing, is that... JP's texting the babysitter. It's going to be a while. <laughs> you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you know what? And in, 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 in like a nice, uh, just a bit of small print, like we, if there, if you have a mental health issue that is beyond repair, and you do need clinical and medical help, and and and, and help with tablets or a prescribed drug, of course, there's there's men, mental health that you can't just fix with talking. Sometimes you have to do everything you possibly can and get the right help with the right doctors. You know, we, you can't just meditate some things away. Some mental illnesses are severe, and you have to have tablets. So yeah. I wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, that's that's a point worth raising. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Okay, second question. Ready? Yeah. Yes. Um, what's the mistake you keep making time and time again? Oh. Ah. Jinx. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just being a really good lad. I don't know. <laughs> 
being too good at sex. <laughs> Imagine. Like you've just oh, reverted to everything you said. Yeah, it's not how it's Our shields are gone. Yeah, your shields are yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really mass. interesting. You've asked yeah. us a vulnerable question. Yeah. And, it's and we've gone, oi, oi, You were darts. the worst offender. Yeah, 100%. And it's, and it's, and it's, <laughs> I'm drinking again now. <laughs> and, and using humour to hide it up as well. Yeah. Yeah, don't laugh. Can you ask that again? Because this is like... This is a deep What's question. What's the mistake, yeah. mistake that we... you keep making time and time again? I would say for me, this is this is a, probably quite a big one. Um, I'd say that I'd still continually undervalue myself, um, even though I'm a coach and I and, and, and I help people. But it, I think it's so natural for all of us. So we've all got this this mind that tells us that we're not good enough and that we can't do this. And because is there not a fine line between self worth and arrogance? Do we, are, we that one, that was, are we all frightened of being like you know Billy Big Bollocks, thinking we're the you know woohoo? That was one of the biggest challenges that I had. Was you know we Matt and I talk about this a lot, where we say at school the worst thing that you could call someone or say to someone was that they loved themselves. Oh my god, they love themselves. Mm. I at school really did not want to love myself. That was I would not I, I might do a lot of things wrong, but I wasn't gonna be one of those kids who loved themselves. I I did not want to be arrogant at all costs. And um that didn't serve me. You know, and still there's 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 as human beings we're gonna have this mind that's gonna keep us trying to steer us away from threats and challenges, anything that it perceives as difficult. And it's going to do that by telling us that we're not good enough. Are you sure you should be doing that? Are you sure you're there? It's much easier if you just stay here. Don't take that on. You're not necessarily good enough to do this, Ben. You know, and is, that, is that. that your imposter syndrome kicking in? Yeah. Yeah, it's if you want to call it that, yeah. Okay, yeah. but if I stood back and said to you, hey, Ben, you, um, you stepped away from a job that wasn't working for you, running a, a, a tech startup yeah. that you found challenging but ultimately a compromise to your mental well-being so then you you sought help and you found this amazing progressive new path and you've retrained and you're helping people and you've made a success of that what part of that are you not telling yourself it's not so much that I, i'm not i'm hearing that and, I, and i'm acknowledging that but it's when something new comes in and it's the next step so we do crave growth so so all of our, our soul wants us to grow and to keep developing and to, to experience new things and adventure but each time we get a new challenge our, our minds are. Like, are you sure you can do that? You're not. You've never done that before. And on our mind wants to keep us safe, and it's much safer to stay and not do that. So we have this conflict where our mind is saying, "Don't do that. Stay here. It's very safe where you are. Everything's good." And our soul is like, "You need to grow, go on adventure." We have this conflict. So a big challenge I think that all of us face continually is to try and get out of our heads and stop hearing that voice and hear our soul and say, hey, go go and go and adventure, go and try this, be uncertain with what the consequences are going to be, show up, and don't be afraid if you fail. But you know what, the fact that you're hearing that you've got this situation, go, this internal dialogue means that you're aware of it, which means you're probably winning at the end of the day. So you're ironing it out rather than letting it keep hold you back. Yeah, I mean, I get asked to do things all the time where my, they're asking me on the phone and I'm like, no, absolutely not. That's going to be really hard to do. I really don't want to do that. And I have to go, yeah, that sounds brilliant. I really look forward to it. When is it? You know, and, I, and I, because I know I've got to do that, but it's a it's a fight and it's uncomfortable you know this year I've got a lot of things coming up that I'm petrified about doing but I know I've got to do them that's a constant battle for me for sure and I believe I know I'm very very comfortable saying that because deep down I think it's a battle for everyone in some capacity 100% Josh what, what, what's the mistakes you keep making time and time again I allow myself to get hurt a lot and I think I get I think disappointment would be the right word I get disappointed a lot by people and I think that's is that trust. 
I think no, I don't know what it is. I think it's when you expect. And when you expect, you often get disappointed because I think you often think that people share the same values as you. Not that I'm by any means uh, the finished product. I certainly get it wrong. But I think I see a lot of good in people and I think I expect certain things from them. And I think I, I bitterly get disappointed. And I think you'll, you'll understand this in this industry. You know, there's a lot of friendships that are forged and I invest in them believing that they are legitimate and a lot of the time, sometimes they have an ulterior motive. Mm -hmm. And I end up getting very disappointed by that because I've invested a lot of time, energy into it to build something and then often get hurt by it, which hurt. Yeah, you know, it, it does. It emotionally hurts me. And I think, you know, I've spoken to you, Ben, about this a number of times where, you know, recently a lot of individuals have hurt me. And I think, you know, even that, you know, a, lo a lot of men will hear that and go, oh, God, he's using the word hurt. How sissy is that? Now, it takes a lot for me to say because that is showing my vulnerability, actually, that a, a fully grown man gets hurt, and I do. Um, and that's something that I think but I need to work on. you started that, 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 that answer with the word disappointment and then finally went, actually, it hurts. Yeah. So you even went in with a safe word, which was disappointment, yeah. and then dropped, dropped it open to hurt. She's got you. You're good. <laughs> You're very good. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, it's certainly something that I need to work on. And I've, I've realized that if you give something to someone, you, you don't expect anything in return. You know, if you care for someone, they don't have to care for you back. If you love someone, they don't have to love you back. You do it because you want to, yeah. not because you expect anything. You know, that's taken me 29 years to figure that out. Um, and it's a work in progress. But I think, you know, and you'll probably find this with her. How old's your daughter now? Almost She's two. Two in June. So so my son is, is still of an age where he will just explain his feelings in terms of exactly how he feels them. So he'll say, you know, um, so-and-so said this to me today and it really hurt my heart. <laughs> right? and it's the, but that's yeah. that's what a hurt feeling is, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little bit of pain to the heart. And, what, and where do we lose the ability to be that... That open, I love it, you know, and you'll see that with your daughter. And, and I think actually that makes you, as a grown man or woman, suddenly go, oh, yeah. Makes you really, really look at your emotional compass. Exactly. And I think that that's a big fear, isn't it? Is when you show that vulnerability is that people won't find you attractive or won't want to socialise with you. And in actual fact, you're probably going to find the best partner of your life by showing that vulnerability. Exactly. Because when they mm -hmm. accept it and they reciprocate it, what a wonderful relationship. Well, then you're with the be. right person. Otherwise, yeah. you're just square yeah. peg in a round hole. And what's the point of that? What is the point in that? You're just time wasting. The only point of it is to conform with society and having a boyfriend or girlfriend. So you feel safe because it's normal. Yeah. But it's rubbish. It is. Yeah. I still have friends like it. You know, I, I, I joked about this the other day, you know, when I spoke about uh, my battle with, with mental illness. Some of my best buddies, bankers, earn a lot of money. We have this group chat. Half the stuff I can't repeat, as you know, group chats, they're just horrendous. You have to block <laughs> half of them. And, um, you know, I became the blunt of the joke. And and, and the joke Why? was, you know, well, it was just like, you know, shots are being fine. It's like, oh, bud, you're not going to bore us with another speech on Good Morning Britain. But the funny thing is, is that this is me showing my vulnerability and their response is to make humor of it. But what they didn't realize is that the vast majority of this group chat, as I've said, have actually come to me one-on-one, -on -one, one -on -one, speaking openly about their their own but they can't battles, share it but they can't share no. it so when i actually made a joke of that on the group chat the shot was fired back 
chat goes silent. silent. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you know, so I guess there's a way of handling it. Mm. That that actually I'd say that's probably one of my my moments of growth where rather than being hurt, I just kind of reciprocated the, the yeah. joke and, yeah. and unfortunately the joke was very much on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Come on, emotionally. That's that's great. Yeah. We're getting there. You're getting there. Yeah. This Matt. wine is great. <laughs> it really helps. Yeah, such yeah. a is it religious wine? It is. It's holy wine. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to bring out a loaf and feed 5,000 of you. It's going to be biblical. Matt, what, what's the mistake you can't stop repeating? Um, I th- oh, God, it's, there's so many to choose. I, uh, my, a smorgasbord. It's a smorgasbord of broken promises. To myself, no, I uh, I fall into the um, imposter syndrome trap a lot. I worked on it a lot last year because um, I wanted to to really push forward with my my career, but mixing that with mental health, and I didn't know what that was. I didn't know whether that was another documentary. I didn't know whether that was another series of conversations with people that I knew, you know, about mental health to film that. And I had these wonderful egotistical ideas of doing them all for Netflix and really well shot. And Zelda Williams, Robin Williams' daughters of my mate, and we're going to do her in L.A. It's going to be lovely. But the reality of that is really difficult and expensive. Um, my imposter syndrome, it's not going to happen. It's not going to do well. It's going to fail before it's even started because I have this notion, this horrible subconscious dragging me down saying that you you're you're nobody you you haven't worked really in television since 2013 <laughs> so you're not that good at what you do um and there's there's a reason why you're not really doing a new big series on ITV or anything because you're not that great and you should maybe go back to Wales with your tail between your legs and just call it a failure which would be so much easier for me just to go ah it, it would never work this just go back to reality but then i have this massive ego that says no I want to do all these wonderful things there's a, there's a purpose now you, you've, you've been in tele- TV for 20 years this is all you can do you're alright at it combine it with your passion and it'll be fine and I have moments where I go that's amazing and I meet Ben and it works and it's the easiest thing to do in the world and and I and I, and I work with somebody and you collaborate and it really works but constantly I'm pulling myself back going oh do you know what don't push Ben's wonderful. He's like, I want to make this bigger. Let's go bigger. There's, there's a book opportunity for it to write, us to write a book. But still, I fall into the trap of, no, maybe you sh-. It's like homework. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I can't do it because it's, it's putting yourself out there and it's a fear of failure. So I'm always in that kind of realm. And it's, a t- it's turmoil, to be honest. In, in the last few months, it's really become quite difficult because I, pr- I should practice what I preach. I'm going down the same cul-de-sacs of mind when I'm like, this is a great idea. This is great. Let's get Ricky Gervais next season. Let's film it. Let's make it bigger. Let's film it this time. Let's get a sponsor. Let's do a book. Let's have a TV series. This is wonderful. This is everything I've ever wanted. But then I go, oh, I'm going to go on a two-day bender to try and mask that out because I'm really scared of failing. And, and I punish myself because of it. So that's one thing. So, <laughs> so you're a self-saboteur. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I kind of dampen my... Because it's the... Um, love yourself stuff. Yeah, but you're, you're mixing some. I, I think you just need to change some of your language. Oh, absolutely. So you call it ego. I call it ambition. Ambition. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. just reframe it. Yeah. And there's so- there's there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. It's a fabulous. It's a fabulous quality to possess. It's critical. Mm-hmm. It really is. And yes, it's born of ego, but don't confuse the two. Yeah. There's happiness, and there's this part of me going, no, don't be that happy. 
you're not that good, you know? And it's just a constant thing. And I think sometimes, given my environment at that time, whether it's because I give myself to other things and projects too much and I forget to re- reset myself with maybe doing being kind to myself and 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 practicing what i preach a lot and and you know what and and it's one i'm very lucky to have these conversations week in week out and with ben have him him as a friend with his professional stance and everything and it's the the i think the biggest problem for me is in like i know some of these answers and i'm also aware that you've got to go your life changes it goes up there's peaks and troughs all these things so that my my answer is like yes this is happening i keep getting dragged into this situation with my own subconscious but i'm fully aware that i just need a bit of a break it's been a really hectic few months with production and work and everything which is wonderful but the, when it's busy 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 i i do need to be kinder to myself a little bit physically and mentally and you know i i plan on having a li- little retreat with like maybe the same time as you that would yeah. be great just to go away reset and re- recalibrate and compartmentalize and i think that's an important thing for me but it's that constant work you have to constantly work on yourself and and that's that's where i am with it i'm accepting that that's part of me and it'll get better that's that's the way it is bloody love you matt <laughs> bloody love, bloody you, love too. you it's a process and even just talking about it now helps yeah, yeah. so thanks for listening guys you're welcome <laughs> top up you fuck no <laughs> <laughs> Okay, your last question, gentlemen. What's the best decision you ever made? See, this is a different phrase of question because before, you know, for me, vulnerability, I, I, I love, I love embracing it. And now you're trying to tap into our sort of the arrogant side. You know, what's the what's what's really good that doesn't you've done? Have to do you be, know, I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. No, actually. I know it doesn't. But that's kind of. Do you know what I mean? In your head, it's going yeah, to it's achievement. Like, exactly. Well, but you know, yeah. for me, there's nothing arrogant about. I know. That. I took. But it's this how is you hear it completely. And I think this is this is the thing is that you know you can build up such a from school this whole don't love yourself. You know, can encompass so many things where you don't even embrace that's really interesting that you heard that as arrogance I read that question I wrote that question and I thought well I know I always ask myself these questions to make sure that actually they do have the ability to open up a conversation for me it was the day that I went to see uh, a gynecologist who said you need to get a move on your ovaries ain't looking to rock and roll there and I made a decision to have a baby it was the best thing I ever did that's the best decision I ever made can yeah. I put aside not killing myself? Because well, that that's a decent prob- decision I that, made. That is a really good there. decision. Yeah, you can park life that. Life is pretty wonderful. Yeah. Can I park that because that's an obvious one? Yes, but it's good that you, you flagged it. I can put flagging that. I chose not to take my own life. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I wouldn't be here and having the experiences that I'm having and meeting the people that I'm meeting. So therefore, my other really, really good decision was when I sometimes say... I'll come to your wedding anniversary. That'll be a great weekend. And then two days before, I'm like, oh, fuck no, people. I don't like it. And then I don't want to go. I'm thinking of everything else. And I'm in the pub. I'm in Soho going, no, 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 no. I'm not going to make that train because I just don't want to go. And I went, no. That year, specifically last year, I went, you've got to do more things. You've got to take control of your life. So I moved out of my really expensive rented apartment to kind of really set, you know, get my finances in order and you know, take control. And my decision to go to Emma and Matt Willis's 10-year anniversary, I would never have met my girlfriend now, and she's the best person I've ever met in my entire life. Ah. 
apart from Ben and you and Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take so, you. So Emma and Matt <laughs> celebrated 10 years. 10 years of, anniversary of last bliss. year. And, and I was the, talking myself out of it like you would not believe, like why? in that situation. Because you, I, I'm, I'm going to... Like Ben I, said, he's got a lot of things he's scared of. And, and like, do you hate it social... when you, if you're feeling like that kind of, especially if you're struggling with work mm. and you go to one of those things, it's full of people from the industry and they go, oh, yeah. the, my, my least favourite question ever. So what are you up to then? What are you up to at the moment, man? Well, like, do, do normal people in normal industries go to work and go, still got your job? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's so, it's so, it's actually quite rude. It's part of it, isn't and it? And if you're feeling a bit... Uh, um, yeah. And, you know, the- well, for me, I was head down, saving money, getting everything sorted. Um, it was just around the time, it's July time, when um, I met Ben and we were having these conversations. I just come back from LA when I tried to do that uh, documentary slash conversational piece, and it all fell through financially. And so I came back and I felt like I was a failure a bit. And then I was just kind of. Then I, w- I went to stay with my parents for like two weeks, which was lovely. It was the hottest summer of all time. And I was making barbecues, saving two grand a month on rent and stuff, which is amazing. And I was, wasn't was ready to go and sit with people and producers and agents that would have been there to go, hey, what are you up to at the moment? Well, I'm, I'm just, actually, I'm doing the best thing I ever did in my entire life, which is reset and move forward and accept and move forward and build. Um, and I wasn't going to go for loads of different reasons. And as well, I was a bit anxious and I didn't want to meet loads of people and I just wanted to stay local and all the stuff. And, and I'm really glad that I did. It was one of the really good examples of me putting myself out there and facing my fear and going there. And, and then when I, went, when I got there, it was immediately fine. Everybody I'd like is there. It's wonderful. And then I, I met... Like, Emma and Matt are not going to invite anybody that even qualifies on the arsehole Exactly. No, exactly. And, and it's not that he was anybody that was going to be an arsehole. He was just like a lot of people. They have you know, great, like, oh, yeah. I have fern cotton. Your life's great, isn't it? But, you know, if, but no, do you know what? If you sat down and talked to Fern, yeah, exactly, she would have a really honest conversation with you, man. It's all relative, isn't it? You're seeing it as great, yeah, but it's not. And she's the first person to sit down and say, "Don't judge me by my Instagram feed. Life is way yeah. more complicated than that." And that's and, and that's it. And there's a little element as well, you know, all these things they chip away. And it's like, you know, Matt and Emma are these incredible people and it's what I want. And it's like the life and their their strength and what they've been through is like inspirational to me. And you go, I kind of want to be a part of that. And also I'm a bit scared because I haven't got that yet. So I don't really want to see it. Um but like I said, I got on the train at like nine. And met my friend, Rich, and we had an incredible weekend. And I met the love of my life because I went, no, forget all that negative. Leah. Leah. So Leah was at the wedding. She works with Emma. Yeah. Was it instant? Incredibly instant at the moment. So doesn't that just show you that life can change in the blink of an eye on a chance encounter? You have to take the decision and move forward. You have to move that was my example of that. Good choice. Well, really great choice. Thank you. So what was your best decision, Ben? Well, my best decision, um, learning to, or being willing to embrace change and speak to a coach. You know, that moment, that, that, that moment where I said, I'm willing to, 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 to adopt or change who I am fundamentally as a person by, by working with this coach and they're going to learn who I am inside out and they're going to learn everything about me and I'm going to, change and my friends might think I'm weird I rang my mum for the first time and and, told, and said to her that I was working with a coach and she said I hope you're not going to join a cult um, you know, there were all these, these these challenges stay where you are is the easy easy thing to do always but for me to to, to 
to embrace the opportunity that I could become something more than I was at that moment and work with a coach, go through that whole process for my friends to see me to change, um, for my for my brothers to think what the hell's going on with my brother, for my parents to wonder what the hell's going on with their son, to keep going through all that and to now be in the space that I'm in where I feel so much more comfortable in myself, so much more authentic. I'm getting so much more better relationships with people. My career is flourishing. There's all these things that are happening because I've gone to within myself and embraced change and got out of society's image of myself and started to embrace my, my reality. It's not easy, is it? I mean, no. It certainly hurts along the way, but it's such important work to do. Absolutely. Completely. Yeah, it's, it's the hardest thing to do. Um, it, it does require real bravery. You know, the easiest, Tony Robbins says change only happens when the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change. You know, it's and it's so true. Because, or even simpler, no pain, no gain. Well, then that's the, the other side of it completely, you know. And, 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 you know, Matt said himself when he had to, you know, convince himself to go to this to this party, you know, there's reward at the end of it. When we go and do these things, I know it wasn't a real pain to go into, to, the, to the thing, but, but so often doing the things, it, it feels horrible before you do it. Like your mind yeah. is saying, Don't and I can do understand this. Matt your anxiety around that. Mm. I really do get it. Yeah. And that dread of yeah. oh, oh god, the whole weekend of it as well. Pretend yeah. that would be an incredible weekend. Mm. And and it's same with parties. Like when we sat next to each other, thank God you're a good person. Normally I'm like, oh fuck, I just want to go and sit in the toilet. I can't be bothered with it mm. all because it's just I'm overwhelmed. But then I realised that. Probably everybody's thinking the same. Totally. No, everybody's thinking, oh Jesus Christ. So Josh. Yeah. Best decision you ever made? Uh, I would say, and I would change it to we, because I think it was a joint decision. Um, is it, I don't know, it, it really scares me saying this, because this is literally opening up the vulnerability to another level, um, because it's very personal. And something, I don't know why, actually, I feel comfortable sharing this now, because I'm ter- not, this isn't media, but I'm terrified with the media because people manipulate things and twist it. But I feel like because of what we've spoken about today, it feels appropriate, because it's still quite raw and very fresh. I'd say the best decision we ever made was when my ex-partner and I decided to break up and I would become a single parent. And it took me some time to get my head wrapped around it and I think that's because I grew up in a broken home and I think my one ambition in life was to make sure that I would fall in love for the first time and I'd spend the rest of my life with that person and I would live the rest of my life making sure that my children were never subjected to what I was and I think my worst fear came true when I realized that I was in love with someone and they were in love with me but we both had our own personal battles going on and sometimes in relationships whoever's listening you'll understand this that you can love them with all your heart but maybe you're just at different points in your life and I think we made the maturest decision and the most painful one which was we could be a family but not together and I think what I've realized over this last six month period where we've been where we broke up is actually a broken home is not broken if the communication is there and you support one love and love one another. You know, for me, a broken home was always the minute you divorce, it is broken. And actually, I look at my relationship with the mother of my child. I look at the happiness of my child and I just think there is absolutely nothing broken about this. And I'm very proud of the decision that we made because I think your children are a reflection of who you are and what you're like as parents. And, I, you know, I wake up every day 
and I just see the smile on my little girl's face and you know I think we made the best decision and and the smartest one for her because I think if we'd have stayed together I think I possibly could have gone down the route that my mother and father did mm. and you didn't want to give her that childhood I didn't want to give her that childhood and was and Binky on the same page with you did she understand where you were coming from, she actually had had similar experiences in her own family background. Yeah, I mean, her, her family was broken as well. We, mm. we we both equally were. And actually, sometimes when you love someone and you care about them that much, it's these decisions in life that are the hardest. Because if you really love someone, would you want to subject them to it? And I think we both sat down and we both went, there's just something not quite right. I have no idea what the future has in store. You just don't know how your past can be crossed. But right now... I just know that I support her in every way. I'm proud of her whenever she does things. I'm the first person to reach out to her. You know, even though we're not together, first thing in the morning I get a FaceTime and I see my daughter's face. Before she goes to bed, if I'm not with her, I get a FaceTime because Binky is just so respectful to me and vice versa. She spends time with my family. I spend time with her family. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure we're going to come across certain hurdles in life when we, if we meet someone, mm -hmm. which is inevitable. But I think rather than responding with animosity hate and anger just talk about it again show that vulnerability if she meets a man or if i meet a woman rather than being spiteful about it sit them down and just say listen i still have love in my heart this is really tough for me seeing you with somebody but i respect it i understand it and hopefully in time i can really support it wholeheartedly i think you'd be amazed at how far you can go and how far your um how open your heart can be uh, my my son has three sisters, two different mothers uh, to, to those three lovely girls. Um, uh, my His father's partner now, I really like. And I think, God, my son was four when they met. And I said, I want to meet her before, um, before she meets him. And um, I, I would want anybody that was looking after my son, I would want to meet them. So we met in a park and we had a coffee and we talked and she was so open to me and I was so open to her. And I watched her and my ex walk off with my son, one hand in each. And I thought, I watched them walk off and I thought, this should be killing me. I should, my heart should be, you know, the size of a golf ball and, f and just I should be in so much pain here. But I'm not, because we all approached it in the right way, which was with his best interests at heart. And honestly, but, Josh, what you two are doing is great. The respect yeah. that you you speak about your your the mother of your daughter with is is beautiful. I Thank love you. that. And um, I think I think she's very lucky to have you both, your little girl. I just I, I absolutely adore Binks with all my heart. I really do. She's she's one of the most well she is the most incredible woman I've ever met in my life and I, I absolutely I, yeah I can't do enough for her um and I'm so proud of everything that she's doing and she is just the most incredible mother you know I just I'm grateful that there are what 11 billion people in this world and you know I'm lucky enough that India has her as an influence in her life because she's just amazing what a lucky kid huh hey no. Oh, Josh, you know what? Like, you actually might make me cry. <laughs> That's Come lovely. On, That's <laughs> lovely. No, seriously, Beautiful guys. Stuff. Keep keep your conversations going. I love the Naked Professors podcast. I think it's a really quality broadcast. It's incredible content that's much needed. And um, if you do need... Uh, a sponsor. Can <laughs> <laughs> you say that? I was going to say, if you we are listening and you have found that a lot of this conversation has resonated with you there are so many places that you can reach out to 
for support and help. And I would really implore you to do that. Um, and if you would like to support Josh in his wheelchair challenge, he's doing it in April. This may go out after you've done it, Josh, but where can they go to pledge some money for your incredible efforts? I'm actually citing the giving page. I will, I will, it'll be, just go on my social media page which is Joshua Patterson underscore JP, and the link will be in the bio. Okay, and the Naked Professors podcast, you can subscribe and find it in all of your regular podcast outlets. Season two returns in July. You've had some cracking guests for season one. You mm. open with Davina McCaw. I mean, go large, why don't you? Yeah. Um, I can't wait to hear what you've got for season two. Thank you so much, all three of you, for coming in and, and talking to me today. Oh, thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much. How was your white wine question time? Really enjoyed Amazing. it. Yeah. Yeah, she does have some bloody surprise, yeah, Matt Johnson. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's weird being on the other side. Yeah. You know, being asked questions. Yeah. And I'm more comfortable in your situation there, but it, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And the wine was nice. Thank you so much. I was going to say, because this, this for me is the power of conversation again. Like when you get people in a room who share their heart, who open, you know, again, vulnerability, you know, it, this, it, none of us know what time it is. Energy just flows. It's such a beautiful thing. I love being involved in these conversations. So honestly, and as well, to I, I don't want to pre- preach Thank to you. the converted. So if you're listening to this and if your partner's suffering, because I don't know what your audience is, if it's predominantly females, mm-hmm. show this to your guys. We want to get to the guys. Cause these yeah. are the, the guys are killing themselves. It's an awful situation. Share this. Share the love. Absolutely. And if you need more help and support, don't forget the Mind Organisation is a fantastic mental health charity. Uh, You can find them online. They have so much uh, by way of outreach and support, so do contact them. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, please do. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts, your feedback, um, and any questions that you might have, especially around this subject matter. Our email is whitewinequestiontime at Yahoo. Com. As always, this podcast has been produced by me, Kate Thornton, and Caitlin Mercer for Yahoo UK. Music's been provided by the dear, fabulous, wonderful Andy Bell. You can hear the rest of his output with Oasis and Ride at all good music outlets. As always, lots and lots of drink has been consumed for the uh, entertainment purposes of your listening pleasure. But please remember, always drink responsibly. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.